How are you all doing today? My name is Colton Youngren, and in today's episode, I'm going to be discussing with you the case of the United States versus Virginia. This was a very decisive case in our society and for our Constitution regarding the 14th Amendment and Equal Protection Clause. In 1990, in response to a female student being denied from attending the, University, the Virginia Military Institute, the all-male school, which has been in existence since 1839, has become a world-renowned institute for the men of our country to be prepared to take the leadership positions in the military and in civilian life. The lifestyle and system established at the school is paralleled to the life of an active military with training, education, and living quarters. Their experiences and situations that the cadets were being put through were very rigorous demanding, and demanding from a mental, physical, and psychological standard, a standard that was previously only met by the men of our country. In the initial hearing of the case, the court cited that VMI violated the 14th Amendment by allowing a men-only student body. This denied educational opportunities to members of a different sex and could allow for added diversity to the options offered by Virginia. The case was then reversed by the Court of Appeals due to the fact that the state could not justify offering unique educational opportunity to men but not to women. In in response to this, the state opened the Virginia Women's Institute for Leadership. The VWIL was established to mirror the standard and opportunities at the VMI. The state-funded school soon soon realized that the lack of funding facilities and academic programs could not match those offered at VMI, which is a private and donor-based institution. The United States argued that the VWIL was an insufficient remedy to compensate for the violation of the 14th, 14th Amendment. The VMI claimed that the added that the adversative method of training provided educational benefits which could not be made to women without modification. With such modification, the persona of VMI would not be the same as it was when it was a male-only school. The argument of women being a distraction to their educational value would be destructive. (coughs) The concurring opinion made by Chief Rehnquist followed with the statements made by Justice Ginsburg who offered the opinion of the court. Rehnquist states that the majority was incorrect to add a requirement that the government offer an exceedingly persuasive justification for gender based on classifications. This requirement is inconsistent with a long-standing standard of intermediate scrutiny. In addition, constructing a women's-only equivalent school does not remedy the unconstitutionality of the classification because it prevents women from having the same equal opportunity at leadership that men do. By following in the same shoes made by Justice Ginsburg, the exceedingly persuasive justification was needed for the Supreme Court to side with the state to uphold the all-men allowance. The question is whether or not the exceedingly persuasive justification was constitutionally fair and equal for both arguments. The significance of this case still holds true today. Though the court cited that VMI should change their policy, United States versus Virginia sets out the appropriate level of scrutiny for gender-based classifications at the, as the intermediate scrutiny test. Under this test, the government must prove that the classification is substantially related to an important governmental interest. In this case, I feel that the unequal opportunity between men and women to be able to, able to experience this level of training and schooling is a violation of the 14th Amendment. <coughs> During this time period of the case, 1990, the perception of men and women roles in the military are different than in today's society. 
During that time, the VMI School was a renowned institution with many famous alumni such as J. H. Benford Pay III, Stonewall Jackson, George S. Patton, Fred Willard, Reggie Williams, and many more. With this history that surrounds VMI is what, draw, what draws candidates, donors, and the prestige. By opening the VWIL, the state of Virginia made an effort to provide a fair opportunity for the women to achieve the same experience as men with military education. I soon realized the level of the two schools were not the same. The VWIL did not have the same level of faculty, funds, and facilities and experience as compared to the VMI. When this being, with this being the case of the proposed solution, I think that the VMI school should have allowed women to be accepted into their school. Though in that time the, of society, gender roles were perceived, and the perceived vision of women in the military was in favor of men as a superior gender. <coughs> United States versus Virginia could also be referred to the Brown versus Boards of Education. In the aspect of the violation of the Equal Protection Clause in the 14th Amendment with the segregation of school of schools based off a of race, the state opened an alternative school allowing blacks uh, allowing blacks only to be admitted, but the level of education and facilities were not comparable to all white schools. This is a parallel to the United States versus Virginia case, with an attempt to reach a solution by alternative measures that proved to be inefficient. The alternative measures that the state took in both cases were separate schools, but in each instance, the level of experience and education were not equal. The act of separate but equal attempt made by the state does not hold up constitutionally. My interpretation of the Constitution follows a textualist-slash-originalist mindset. I believe that what was written and stated during the formation of one of the most influential documents in history still holds true today, centuries later. Though there have been many Supreme Court justices to come in and out of power, one thing that is almost that almost all of them have in common is a political bias and mindset when it comes to interpret it when it comes when they interpret the Constitution. Some tend to have a left-leaning view or a right-leaning view. Regardless of bias or leaning one way or the other, their interpretations of the Constitution can't help but to be influenced by their perceived ideology. I myself have more of a conservative-leaning views, but I tend to look at the big picture and take in all sides into consideration. I side with Justice Scalia in this opinion because, like him, I sided with the interpretation of the Constitution, with an originalist view, but also tend to bring in textualist viewpoints when citing on certain topics. Justice Scalia said in his dissenting opinion, The rejection of the court's disposition today, however, is not necessary to accept my view that the court's made-up tests cannot displace long-standing national traditions as the primary determinant of what the Constitution means. It is only necessary to apply honesty to the test that the court has been applying to sex-based classifications for the past two decades. It is well stated, as Justice O'Connor stated some time ago for a unanimous court, that we evaluate the statutory classification based on, a sex under, based on sex under a standard that lies between the extremes of rational basis, review, and strict scrutiny, such referenced in Clark v. Jeter in 1968. We have denominated this standard of intermediate scrutiny and under it have inquired whether the statutory qualifications classifications is substantially related to an important governmental objective. What Scalia is saying in this opinion is that the court, courts have changed and shifted from a non-biased view of classifications to the law of made-up tests. 
that side with an important governmental interest pushing a favor towards one side of the leaning one side of the finding Scalia states earlier in his opinion that today in basic law enshrines that the notion uh, that no substantial education value is to be served by an all-men's military academy so that the decision by the people of Virginia is to maintain such an institution denies equal protection to women who cannot attend a, the, that institution but can attend others. Since it is entirely clear that the Constitution of the United States, the old one, takes no sides in its educational debate, I dissent. This is one of the best dis closings dissents I have ever read from any Supreme, Supreme Court justice. Scalia points out, in his opinion, that despite an all-men's military academy does not serve an educational purpose, it would not make a difference if the women went to the BMI school or any other military institute. They would still reach the same level of educational value regardless. Scalia reaffirms in his prior statement that the United States Constitution, the old one, the one that has served our country for centuries, takes no sides in this educational debate. This goes to prove that the bias and political narrative was present and influenced in the court's opinion. Thank you.